This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, a man who a doctor once said he's still alive. But we're not quite sure how. Uh, yes, it is I, back with you again. Tim Schwartz is here. You're very much alive as well. I am, thankfully, yes. Thank you, Stephen. We we are both here and we are alive. I'm not sure whether we can say the same for Sean Priest or not, but we are here and alive. Yeah, so Sean's not here this week. Um that means you'll get a sensible show. Uh, but also, it, it's, it's partly because he's he's having a boy's week. Not boy's weekend, but a boy's week. Mm, that's what he says, at least, yes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit doubtful as well, if I'm honest with you, Tim. I, I'm, I'm kind of like, right, what does that even mean? You know, what does a boy's week mean? And is Sean the type to have a boy's week away? Yeah, that that one kind of perplexes me as well. I mean, I, I, I know you and I've talked about this, Stephen, and I'm not really sliding Sean here because, well, you and I aren't really that much different. But do, do the listeners believe that Sean is the boys week kind of guy? I, 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 because I, I don't know that I do. <laughs> no, I I really don't. I, I think that uh, I think he's up to something. Um, I don't know what it is. Mm. It might be tech related. I kind of hope it is. Uh, I hope it is. I hope it's not nefarious in in uh, oof, some way. Can you or... Imagine. <gasps> now, Sean isn't that kind of guy. I, I don't believe he's that guy either. But it'd be like Jerry Springer on here if that kicked <laughs> off. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ratings. The ratings. No. Yeah, double tap. Too hot for radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one's ever said that about us. No, no that, those are words that have never been used in our company, no. for sure. Well, look, we've got lots to talk about this week. We're going to talk about, um, well, this is interesting, iOS 13, which is the Apple software update. We've been talking about it over the past couple of weeks. It was announced at WWDC, um, but uh, the public beta has now been announced, which means that we, the, the jolly old public out there, we can actually go and download this and try it out. And you've done it. I did. I bit the bullet. I, I was really nervous to do it, but I did. Last year, I waited probably a cycle or two so that I could just make sure that it was, you know, not the first initial version because that's always a little tricky. But I went ahead and jumped in because I couldn't wait to see all the updates with voiceover and the new voice control feature and so many other things that are there. I, I just couldn't wait. I didn't want to keep listening to it from other sources. So I, I dove in and it's uh it's it's there's a lot of improvements of course you have to remember it is a beta so there's a lot of bugs and little things like that so i do not recommend that anybody do this especially on their main driver at least for a couple of cycles uh, or updates but it is really really nice okay well i'm intrigued to know what in particular is nice if anything's wrong or missing from your initial testing so we're going to talk about that today um also later we're going to be talking about uh, a new app that has arrived in Canada. Finally, I mean, it feels like it's been around the world elsewhere for some time now, but actually it's only just arrived in Canada. That is Soundscape. And we're going to talk a bit about what Soundscape is and why you might want to download it or not. Or might not and... want to download it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give you our honest opinion on that app a bit later. But I want to kick off um, with a chat about voiceover itself. 
on the iPhone. Now, uh, voiceover is a topic we come to a lot, right? And and it's because we love it, and it's what we we use essentially. Maybe love's a strong word. It's it's the tool that helps us essentially get our phones working for us as blind people, right? You say and, we, but you and Sean have gone to the dark side and have been using Android phones a lot lately. Yeah, well, more Sean than me, if I'm honest. Well, this um, is true. I can, You know what I'm like? I dance around. I, I kind of take yes. the Android out for a meal every so often, maybe a bit of light dinner and dancing, but it never really goes anywhere. Yeah, Android's um, the mistress that you just can't give up. Yeah. That's right, yeah. I'm always going home with the iPhone. Yes. Um, it's a terrible analogy, but yeah, you get the point. Um, so, well. uh, yeah, is it? But no, it's 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 been a tool that's been around for a long time. And yes, you're right. Talkback is there as well on Android phones, and it's it's a really. I mean, Talkback is brilliant now. I'm not going to argue. It's very good now. And anyone who's thinking of buying a new phone, especially as we've said before, with the Google Pixel 3a phone, you you really don't need to spend a huge amount of money now on a phone that's accessible. No that's usable, that's enjoyable, and that works, right? With premium features, like even the, the 3A has with its camera and everything else that it has. It's a really nice little phone. Um, but voiceover, for me anyway, and I know for you, is is, is a really important tool. And it's it, it, it was the first, right? It was the first that, that came along and was available to us. So, of course, for those of us who are early adopters, we were used to that first, and that's what's made it difficult for a lot of us to move away to something like Android. But that's not the only reason. I mean, you know, I've bought all my apps now, and I've got lots of music and iTunes, and, you know, it's hard to break away from that ecosystem, and that's another debate, actually. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm very invested in the ecosystem. That That's where they get you. It is, totally, and it's very hard to break away from that. But the reason I wanted to bring up voiceover this week, not just because, you know, it's like another, oh, here we go, it's another, you know, fan boy, obsessive, you know, here we go again, talk about voiceover. <laughs> it is actually a very important time for voiceover because it's just turned 10 years old. 10 Woo-hoo! years. Happy birthday uh, to voiceover, yay. Yeah. And, and you know, what's amazing is that it's it's been around that long. I actually don't even remember the year it came out. I don't remember 2009. I don't mean like, you know, I don't remember the year at all. I mean, you know, I just, I don't remember that bit of 2009 particularly well. I barely I remember announced... yesterday, so 2009? No, don't ask me what I had for dinner last night because I can't tell you. I forget everything. But I don't remember it being announced, and you maybe know better than me here. I don't remember if it was announced at WWDC. I know it was, I know it was around that time it was launched, but was it actually announced on stage? You know what? That's a really good question, and yeah, I, don't uh, I don't remember, to be very honest with you. I think it was. I want to say that it was, but I wasn't really paying attention at that time. I had the quintessential blind phone with a Nokia uh, phone at the time. I think it was the N80-something or other, uh, N86 maybe, and I was just getting invested in that and looking into how much was uh, you know, something like an FB Reader going to cost and how much extra was I going to have to pay for the camera to make that work and looking at all that, and then all of a sudden, a couple of my friends that I worked with were getting iPhones. And I was a bit confused because, as we've talked about over the years, a flat glass screen that I could utilize? What are you people talking about? That that just made no sense to me. I didn't understand. And I just kept you know, going along with my Nokia phone with uh, talks on it, actually, until 
I had a meeting. It was actually a, tra- a JAWS training that I went to for my job. And the trainer there had his iPhone, his 3GS, and let me play with it for you know, about a half an hour. And uh, I think when the training was over, I immediately went to my local AT&T store and got me an iPhone. <laughs> And really, that was that was it for you. You were just right in there. That was it. Bang. I was sold immediately because it was so much nicer, so much easier to use than talks on my Nokia phone. I could do so much more because even with talks allowing me to read texts and do some email, really couldn't do much as far as internet goes, and and really nothing, really nothing else. And so to be able to be on an iPhone, knowing what the iPhone could do. And be able to hear all of that speak to me and the swiping was so easy and getting into things was so easy. It just opened, literally, it opened up new doors for me that had been completely closed off to me as a blind person. And I never thought that I was going to be able to really get into that outside of a desktop computer. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's so many aspects to this, but I think going back to our first point, you know, when I asked you the question there, you know, did, did you know if it was launched at WWDC? Neither of us know, because truthfully, we weren't paying attention at that time no. for one simple reason. Accessibility wasn't in our minds at all with Apple. I mean, we, we know, I think at that point, well, yeah, at that point, Apple did have voiceover on the computer, on the MacBooks. And would it be MacBooks or PowerBooks then? Mm-hmm. Uh, Power probably, book, yeah. probably MacBooks then. Um and, you know, that was available, but that was a different world. That was a different thing. And a lot of people who were using that were probably quite happy using it. But, you know, let's be honest, you know, when it comes to it, and I think it still stands today that a lot of blind people, despite having an iPhone, will probably use a Windows computer rather than a Mac. Not exclusively. Not, Not everyone's exclusively. the same. No, but I but, was. I definitely was using Windows at that time, and I had been using JAWS, as I mentioned. So I was familiar with screen readers, but from the desktop side. And I was using Talks on my phone, my Nokia phone, like I said. But to be able to do everything that an iPhone could do using a, a screen reader, that to me, I, I, I had never considered something like that. So when I was first told about it, I, I was skeptical and, and quite surprised. I was terrified at the start. I was genuinely terrified. <laughs> well, and, and I say, that. I, I, I say that because it, it made me realize, I, up until that point, I had dabbled with a number of different phones. Um, there were lots of phones coming out around that time that were um, on the 3G network, and they were touchscreen devices. They were like um, PDAs, you know, personal desktop assistants, or whatever you call it, personal digital assistants. Right. And uh, I, I loved this idea, but it was so inaccessible to me. Um, I had a Sony P800i, <laughs> uh, which w- was, I, don't, I have no idea what the I meant, because it, it certainly wasn't internet, but it did have some kind of inaccessible capability. <laughs> yeah, exactly, inaccessible. That was pretty much the I, because it, it wasn't much accessible. But what I loved, though, was the design. It was kind of a sturdy little phone. Um, and the screen was kind of built in. Uh, it, was, it was like one of those digital assistants of, of its time, the old PDAs, remember the PAM pilots and all of that. It was that kind of idea, but it, it had a fold-out keyboard. So it had a, a keyboard that was like a standard T9, 1, 2, 3, 4, to up to 9 keyboard. Mm-hmm. But that could flip forward, and then you, it revealed the full screen, and it would sort of turn the whole screen into a full-screen device. But really all it did was extend all the menus out. That was all it was doing. Right. Um, 
and it, but it was good. It, it was all right. Uh, the stylus was was stuck in the side, like it was kind of built on the side of the phone, so you could use a little stylus, which was really just a piece of pin, really. Um, and it was okay, but it it wasn't accessible. There was nothing about it you could do to make anything bigger or easier to see. It was pretty much. It was. I don't even know if it was color. Maybe it had a little bit of color on it, but you know that kind of grayscale screen. Yes. Um, so pretty nasty stuff, right? And then so you know the iPhone comes along, and I'm like. Oh no, because I, I just you know that way you just in your heart you just know something and and you just kind of think oh, I know what's coming here. Every single device from here on in is going to be a touch screen and yep. it's going to be like this. I just that was it. I just knew that Apple have set a standard here. Even though I mean I I didn't I mean what did, what do I know? I know nothing, right? But at that moment I kind of just saw the future. I was like, that's it. This is what all the manufacturers are going to do, um, and. It really worried me. And bizarrely, in the most oddest of ways, it, it kind of surprised me and, and shocked me because it was the keyboard. I thought, how do I type on this? <laughs> right. So small. And I'm thinking, how is anybody supposed to use this? In fact, <laughs> I think I had a BlackBerry at the time. And um, they had very little accessibility in them. But I could, at that point, make the font size really big. So that was what I used. And... When I switched over, I remember thinking, well, if I can get used to a BlackBerry keyboard, and I liked a BlackBerry keyboard, um, I would be able to use this. But I just I couldn't get my head around it at first at all. And then I think I realized because it was, I just couldn't really see what I was doing. It was all hope. Um, and it was, it was such a shame because it was such a lovely device. And then they bring out voiceover. And I'm thinking, okay. And I tried it. And I'll be honest, I really struggled with voiceover really struggled to get my head around how it worked. And I think I went through about two or three weeks where I wanted to just throw this thing out the nearest window um, and, and smash it to bits into the ground for its hassle it was causing me. Uh, but by perseverance, keeping going with it, and, you know, still playing the denial game as that visually impaired person <laughs> does, you know, where it's like, I, I don't need this, and we turn it off and turn it on and turn it off and turn it on. And now, actually, I'm at the stage where it's on all the time, and that's all that's on. Um, you know, I, I've realised the value of it, and I, I just think that I do believe that other companies would have gotten there with this. I think I don't think it would have been it would have taken Apple to to make it available on other devices. I don't think that's actually the case. I did think that for a number of years, but actually, when you look at the laws and the, the legal side of it. The reality is that other companies would have had to do this. I think the difference is that what Apple gave us was not just accessibility, but an, an accessibility experience that was positive. And I think they gave us not just that positive accessibility experience, but they gave us our own genre in a way, our own, I don't even know how to say it, just this, the accessibility features in general, you're right. Would other companies have eventually brought out something similar? You know, would Google have instituted something like TalkBack eventually? Yes. But would they have done it in the time frame in which they did it? That, I think, is a question. And of course, we'd never know. But I think with Apple coming out with VoiceOver when they did and pushing it and, and all the other accessibility features that are in iPhones, being there at that time, at that place, that started the conversation and got us as people who are blind to then be able to have that conversation and to push that with other companies. And so I think that they got the ball rolling 
faster than maybe it would have otherwise? Because I don't know that other companies were necessarily looking at this. I mean, of course, you've had narrator on Windows phone or Windows phones. Yeah, right. Windows computers for <laughs> decades. And well, 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 actually, you're right. I think it was on Windows phones, wasn't it? Um, it yeah, it was on Windows phones as well. And that, that's true. But but narrator was, as we've talked about, it was the, you know, the, the portal to getting your other screen reader installed or downloaded. It wasn't, you know, until recently, it wasn't something to use, you know, uh, on a grander scale. And so there wasn't that attention to it until, you know, again, just recently. So I think that Apple doing this and starting that conversation, making not just people who are blind aware that we can use a flat piece of glass with a touchscreen, but making the world aware this can be done. Don't say it can't be. We'll find a way. And I, I just believe that, Yes, it would have happened eventually with some other company, but I don't know that it would have happened as soon as it did. The strangest thing about all of this, and this is the other side of this argument, it's kind of a really complicated discussion. Because when you talk about phones, we we look to voiceover as a real strong standard. Apple really set a benchmark that was very high in terms of how accessibility would work. And they did that in a number of ways, not just by making the operating system fully accessible, um, by using simple gestures and swipes to achieve the job, but then to go one stage further and then give tools to the developers to make sure that they were actually creating apps that were accessible. Now, Apple don't enforce accessibility in their apps. Some I know, including me, wish they would enforce more accessibility. But the fact is that they do provide tools They do give developers opportunities to build in that accessibility um, and and I believe quite clear guidelines as well on how to make their apps accessible, which as we move towards a more unified Macintosh operating system along with an iPad operating system, we're going to see the – well, actually, we're going to really reap the benefits of that, you know, that that sort of infrastructure that was built, that foundation that was there because – I, I know a lot of people, and I say this again, I think a lot of people who use iPhones tend to use Windows computers. Um, and I think that's partly driven by the fact that it, at work, in the workplace, you use Windows, right? So I you know you did that, and I do in my workplace. We we use Windows computers. We don't use Macs. Um, right. Macs were always seen as the kind of creative option. Oddly enough, I, I actually used Macs at school. I was just thinking that as you were talking about that, it's been more the creative for music, for you know graphics design, and for education. I grew up using well, way back in the day. I remember a year or two we used Commodore sixty fours. That's that that doesn't show my age, does it? Um, but then after that, not we, at all. <laughs> no, but we did use <laughs> Macs for a while, and then eventually, as I got into secondary school and the high school, we did have Windows computers because there was the realization that when you got into the workforce or got into university, that was mostly what was going to be used and so the school had switched but in my younger years yeah we were using Macs which is weird isn't it and you move on to the workplace and then I started using Windows and I was really torn by, by between the two because I really liked Mac um, I, I just I, I don't know I, I, maybe it's your first experience is the one that just stays with you and that's maybe what it is and that's why maybe I'm an Apple fanboy because I used them at school and then I moved away from them. And then even though I wasn't using them later in life, I had a fondness towards them. They always felt like the the kind of um, underdog. Not the case anymore. Uh, but at the time, you know, before, and I'm talking pre-iMac here. I'm talking right. before the bubble Macs. I'm talking when it was, you know, beige computers and a time when they were making printers. And remember the laser writers and 
All the, the products. Oh, and the, yeah. The, what was that little one called? The Office Jet? The mm-hmm. Apple Office Jet Pro and all that. And all these wonderful little machines and the Apple Mac Classic. And I loved all that stuff. And it was brilliant. But I, maybe I just, in some ways, um, memorialized it for myself. Um, the reality, perhaps, is that I, uh, you know, it was an okay experience. But, you know, truth be told, I got on fine with Windows then on and from then on. But this is where I think the, the argument about voiceover is interesting because you you got a voiceover and then TalkBack came along and clearly lent or was lent a lot of the thinking that went into TalkBack was, was borrowed from voiceover. Whether they sure. worked together on it, I don't know. Maybe they did. And, and if they did, brilliant. They'll never tell you if that was the case. <laughs> but interestingly, when we look at other products, look at white goods or television, that has never translated across, which is kind of strange, you know, that, that it's only tr- that accessibility that we hear about, that we talk about, and companies rave about accessibility now. Those companies are phone companies and computer companies, and in some cases they're the same thing. Right. But outside of that, there's actually very little movement. And I'm beginning to realize this is a real problem. And I think about it from the kind of computer store point of view or the big electrical big box retailers that you go to. You walk in there, I can turn on any PC, any Mac, any Chromebook, and I can make it accessible but with a keystroke. And that is then an accessible computer, right? Or I can go into a phone or into the phone area and I can pick up any phone pretty much, providing it's a Google phone or an iPhone, and I can turn on accessibility, and I can use that phone independently. If, however, I go to televisions, unless it's Samsung or LG or potentially Panasonic, but depending on the the model of the the TV, and I pretty think much get, some of the Sony's now. I think. So yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, some of the Sony was. You're right. Some of the Sony ones do as well. But a bit of a mixed experience there as well, right? Um, because it's only the ones that have got uh, Android built in. So right. again, another confusion. Um, you're going to find difficulty, and again, that's a whole other ball game. And when it comes to the experience, because every one of them is different, every one of them has a different way of doing it. Um, even turning on voice guidance on televisions can be difficult. And what, if you don't know what that means, essentially, it means that the menus are spoken out. It means that the guide. It tells you what's on TV on your channel. You know, it will read out what the program is, what the channel is, what time the program's on. It will give you the information of that. Um, you don't get that as or as an accessible an experience there, and it's very fragmented. You know, it, and it, it might be there. I mean, we all remember the joke about me buying a sixty-five-inch Sony television. <laughs> yes, <laughs> lamenting about the accessibility features of it, bringing it home, unboxing it, setting it all up, and realizing. It didn't have any accessibility features on it because the model I bought didn't have Android, so therefore it didn't have any accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's a 65-inch TV, there was no way I was taking that back to the shop. <laughs> so it's like, okay, you know, so, so we're, and then white goods, you know, washing machines, dishwashers, um, all those tools of, of the kitchen, of the utility room or whatever, they are not accessible yet. I mean, they may be getting there through third-party options, like using an Amazon Echo, for example, to control it. So, yeah, that does give you an element of accessibility. But it's all very much an add-on. It's all a third-party option. It's not built into the device. So, 
even though we've come a long way, and even though I'm very happy, and I often do say, you know, well, if it wasn't for Apple doing what they did with VoiceOver, uh, we wouldn't have as good an accessibility experience today. It doesn't seem to have translated to other products. That said, though, as we talked about right at the beginning of this conversation, it is only the past 10 years. And it's amazing to even think that because part of me feels, wow, it's just not been that long. And then the other side of me feels like, well, I've had voiceover on my phone forever. So, you know, it's kind of an odd feeling. But in that 10 years, it truly is amazing where not only where voiceover has come from where it began and all the different things that you can do. And we'll talk more about that, you know, later here in the episode with iOS 13. But so many things that you can do now that I would have never, ever thought about being able to do before. And now, like we've we've been talking about with Android being a very comparable, oh boy, it pains me to say that, but a very comparable, <laughs> uh, you know, operating system as well as uh, TalkBack being a very comparable screen reader. You have choice now where 10 years ago, as you said, we were terrified to even try to use a touchscreen. So to say mm-hmm. in 10 years, we now have choice in the phone market, a lot of choice in the desktop and laptop computer market. And yeah, it's not necessarily a built-in screen reader that's thought of at the design stage, but having something like Amazon Echo technology in our white goods in the home or other types of, of products around the home to make it in a way accessible for us, as I've always said, accessibility by, by accident, that again is something I would have never, ever thought, at least within this last 10 years, I would have thought that would have been something 20, 25 years into the future. So it's so amazing to me how far we have come. And I mean, really what, what could the next 10 years be? Hopefully it gets to the point where our white goods and everything has it just built in from scratch that it's a, 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 you know, thought from the beginning instead of an afterthought. But I'm 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 interested to see where it goes, and that's why we're here each and every week, quite honestly, because we love this stuff, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Because the last ten years have been pretty intense and pretty crazy, but but it's been great. Well, that's exactly what we're going to focus on next. We're going to talk about the future, uh, and that is iOS 13 at the moment. Uh, that is the the future that we're looking at. Uh, so we're going to talk about that on the iPhone before we go to break, though. What's one thing, Tim? I mean, if you were to think of one thing that you, and this is a big question, so you know, I'm putting you on the spot here, but <laughs> what's, new? what's one thing that you can do now that you couldn't do before uh, and that's a, as a result of something like voiceover on the iPhone? Oh my goodness, just one thing, Stephen? Wow. I mean, there's so <laughs> many the list, things. Well, and the thing is, though, 10 years ago I had not great vision, but I had enough vision to be dangerous. I had vision to do certain things. And so I was new to screen readers at that time. And so I was still able to kind of see my email and uh, on at least on a desktop and, and, and the internet and social media as it was coming out. But boy, wow. I mean, just the portal to everything through voiceover to be able to play games Again, you know, that I hadn't really been able to do in such a long time, uh, having, you know, games that are, are accessible with voiceover. Um, but I, boy, one, I, I can't just do one social media and the Internet and so mm, many things yeah. that on my Nokia phone with talks, I, I couldn't do any of those things. What about you, Stephen? Well, yeah, the one thing I suppose I think for me is taking pictures. Um, I was explaining to someone oh, the other that's day. That's true. I was, yeah. I was, getting my, I was getting my hair cut this week. 
and uh, it's beautiful, by the way. Thank you for asking. You're and um, beauty. <laughs> I, I thought you could tell. Um, I didn't brush past you on the way in. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's interesting. I, uh, I was sitting there, I was telling the, the hairdresser all about how voiceover worked. And I said, look, I'll, I'll put it in really simple terms. I said, taking a picture now is as easy for a blind person as it is for you. And that did stop her in her tracks. I like to do that. <laughs> I, bet it I did. like to slow, you know, never believe this is possible, you know? Right. And. I showed her, I said, look, you know, hold the phone up and it tells me how many people are in the shot and where they are because voiceover tells you, gives you that audible feedback right. of what's Three going Three faces, on. left of center, bottom of the screen, yeah. That's right. Smiling even you. sometimes, yeah. That's right. And and you're, there are even apps like Selfie X. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's still going, but Selfie X was know. great because it would kind of have some fun with you. Um, it was like, smile, and it would tell, and it would even do the picture <laughs> for you, which was brilliant. Um and it's just, I love that kind of thing. And that is where that technology has, you know, and that, actually Selfie X is a great point to finish on because, you know, that is an example of how the third-party apps, the developers have taken the idea of voiceover and had some fun with it and said, actually, let's make this for everyone. Because ultimately Selfie X wasn't built for blind people. No. That app was built for anybody who just wanted to take some fun selfies. And it would sort of tell you, you know, look smart or, you know, say cheese and have some fun. And that was great, you know, and, and just it, it was able to include blind people. I think for me, that's what the iPhone's given is real inclusion. And, you know, we say that because voiceover is 10 and we want to, you know, wish Apple's voiceover well, even though it is a piece of software. So it seems a bit weird, you know, offering it, you know, congratulations. But, you know, <laughs> congratulations to the team that built it. But I also want to pay a tribute to those who do the same work in Google, uh, Microsoft, uh, Samsung, and all the other companies, including Amazon as well, um, who do wonderful work to make sure that these products are accessible to us. So, anyway, that's the niceness over. We're back into the the hard yes, reality. Thank you to all these companies for treating accessibility so well to keep us in a job week to week. Exactly. Um, yeah, keep doing it because actually, you know, it gives us a reason to be here, which is exactly. great. Um, okay, look, we're going to we're going to come back in a minute, and we're going to talk about iOS thirteen and Soundscape, a new app from Microsoft coming to Apple phones. That's on the way. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. This is Double Tap Canada. Stephen and Tim with you here. Oh, we're having a nice little show today. We uh, are pesky, so Sean. Yeah, it's so peaceful and civil and just, ah, oh, it's just so relaxing this week. So adult, so mature. Yes. No bickering, no silliness. Although, well, I don't know, well, maybe not no silliness, maybe <laughs> a little silliness. I'm probably a little bit of silliness, yeah. yeah I think, you know what it is? I think part of me today, I might not be sounding my usual chirpy self, right? And I think it's partly driven by the fact that I've had about five coffees. Oh, my. And I think what's happened is... That by the fourth coffee, you know, it's starting to go the other way. But I'm not getting hyped up. It's putting me on a come down. Um, oh, no. You know, so it's like it's going the opposite way here. It should be lifting me up. But actually, all I want to do is crawl into bed. It's very bizarre. Um, I don't know what kind of coffee I drink, but it's just it's, it's clearly so not working you, for me. What are you me. putting in that coffee, Stephen? <laughs> what, what in the world is in there? Nothing, nothing good. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so let's talk about iOS 13 because you have downloaded it onto your iPhone. You are insane putting it on your iPhone. Oof, and your oh main phone as well, haven't you? Yeah, my main driver. Well, <sighs> the only other backup phone I have, which it's amazing that it actually works, is an iPhone 5. It's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a phone that has basically no screen. The glass shattered on it years ago. 
and uh, the the whole. What do you care, right? Right. What do I care? Um, all the glasses kind of you know uh, fallen off and gone away, so uh, it doesn't even really hurt to move my finger around it. But it still works. The screen, you can still touch it and make it work. The button for the home button is gone, so it's just this little <laughs> like little piece of plastic inside the hole where the button goes, the old-fashioned button. You just stick your finger in there and push the button. So it still works, though. So I use that to test apps and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but unfortunately, iOS 13 does not work on an iPhone 5, and yeah. as it probably shouldn't. But on my iPhone 7, which I'm hoping to turn in later this year when the new phones come out, but on my iPhone 7, it works. And, well... I say it works. It, it, it is able to be installed at this at this moment, and you can use it. The bugs aren't really as bad as I expected, although there are some issues, which is why I said at the beginning, I do not recommend anybody get this right away, especially on your main driver. Don't do not do as I do. It's don't not do easy that. to do. I mean, it is a bit involved, yeah. isn't it, to get it downloaded? And actually, that's maybe a good thing because you're right. We don't want to encourage people to to jump in with this if if you have two phones if you've got like an older phone that is compatible i think we're talking here from the 6s upwards yeah i believe it's 6s and up i don't remember which ipad and up but uh but it does go back pretty far an ipad as well actually and, yeah and the iphone se i should say as well the iphone se is, is included in this which i, I must admit i was quite surprised at. yeah i was very was surprised on that, that but it's it's similar enough to what is it the 6 or 6s itself as far as yeah, yeah. it's internal so i guess so but but yeah so i wouldn't do it now like i said last year i waited a couple of cycles uh you know 13 point you know, one or two or whatever it was. And, and then I updated, I think Sean was the one that got in there faster last year and convinced me to do it. And, and like I said, right now it, it works. A lot of the new features are there, which we'll get into, but a lot of the reason I would say don't do it is because certain new features, even if you turn them off, it seems like it still wants them to be on, and that can really mess you up if you don't want to be using it. Uh, right. So that could be a problem. Uh, apps. But that, that's to- the whole thing about beta, isn't it? So, you know, you will. And okay, so a couple of things with that. One is, like you say, issues will arise. Yes. Um, but also, some features might even disappear by the time. You know, it comes around when actually it's officially announced. Well, that's the thing. And that's why we we will talk about this a little bit in my experiences with it and things that we know that they've announced that are going to be there and how they work and all that. But, yeah, there could be little things that they could throw in there now that disappear come Mm. uh, later this year. Or maybe you're still there but are completely revamped, overhauled, and different. So uh, that that is a good disclaimer. It is a work in progress from Apple, and anything we talk about now could change in a week or three months. You never know. Um, But It's like moving into a new build house. You're not going to, you know, you'd rather wait till it's finished. You don't want to move in when they're still installing the floor. Um, You know, because they might change it. They might decide something needs to be somewhere else or take a wall down that shouldn't be where it is or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there was a wall there. I tell my wife all the time, who put this wall here? It wasn't here yesterday. And she just laughs. Ah, and that's the old blind head. joke. Yes. Um, but actually, I suppose the one feature I'm intrigued about most of all uh, to get into, and it's kind of a weird one because it's not really for blind people, this one. It's not designed for blind people, but I think we're all very intrigued by it, and that's voice control. Yeah, voice control is not something that you would really think that blind people would be using. And I don't know how much I'll be using it going forward. Uh, I have I have been trying it and playing with it. My wife said that she doesn't like it because if I'm talking to the phone and say she's in another room or, or you know, watching TV but not really 
necessarily knowing if I'm talking to her or not. She, she's going to be unsure. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to our daughter? You know, are you just talking to yourself? What are you doing? And she's like, oh, I guess eventually I'll figure it out that you're talking to your phone. But I don't know that I like that feature. <laughs> and I said, but it, it can be really good, especially for someone like her while you're driving to talk to the phone. Especially I was telling her, I'm like, you know what? Honestly, people could turn on voiceover and then turn on voice control. And you could use it. I'm not recommending people do that and drive, but I'm just saying it's something that could be done. Uh, or if you aren't able to look at your phone, you could turn on voiceover and use voice control. Or even if you can see your phone, of course. Uh, this is really meant for people who have motor skill issues, maybe a Parkinson's or something like that, where, where touching the screen or swiping or using gestures in any way is difficult for you. Whatever that may look like for you, that's really a lot of what voice control, I think, is is uh, geared for, and so those people far, have got, th- those people have got sight, though. I mean, would, well, and that's they, the they, thing, they would right? Have vision f- to, to use that because. Uh, so my understanding of this is based on the video we saw at the WWDC, which was wonderfully audio described for us yes. on the Apple website. Um, what it told us was that when you ask for, say, for example, it's um, like send a message or something, and you say send it to Tim. Um, it would bring up a list of all the people who are called Tim, and then there would be a number associated with that. So you visually would see one to five, say, and if I said it was Tim Schwartz, um, I could maybe say that, or I would say it's number three, uh, because that's what Tim Schwartz is. Don't ask me why you're at number three. I just decided that. Okay, don't take it personally. Um, <laughs> who are these but, other Tims, and why are <laughs> they one people? and two? Yeah. Tim Cook's obviously in there, right? Uh, I mean, I you know, so. even just his email address, that's all I've got. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the point is... That it's you know it gives you that option and I that's the bit that confuses me. How would we, as blind people, not being able to see those options, those you know, how would we get to that? So that's I guess what intrigues me a little bit about it. Well, that's the thing with voice control is that from what I can tell so far, it's an option. That's an overlay, so you can actually turn on an overlay that will come up and assign numbers. So all you have to do is say you know, number three or number four, whatever it would be. Otherwise you can just say the one that you want. Or if you know what, say for instance, if there are two of the same thing on the screen, for example, just to be silly, the other day I was using voice control with the game Dice World that I know a lot of people who are blind like to play. And I rolled and I actually kept saying tap roll. Because uh, it will just tap whatever whatever the name of the button is. Basically, before VoiceOver says the word button, you don't have to say button. But whatever the name of the button is, just say tap in the name of it, and it will tap it for you. And that was really great. Uh-huh. Well, when it rolled the dice, I, I think I was playing Farkle, and there was a you know, couple ones and whatever else it was. And I said tap one. Well, since there was more than one one that had been rolled, it wanted to know, well, do you want to tap the first one, the second one? And so I said, you know, the first one. And then I said, tap one and tap the second one. So it's a, for that purpose, it's a little bit longer way to play Dice World, but you can do it. And it was just a matter of just telling it, you know, tap that one, tap this one, you know, whatever. When it comes to contacts, you don't necessarily have to say number three. You can just say, uh, you know, text Stephen Scott, and it should bring it up unless you've got more than one Stephen Scott. 
which of course we know there's only one Stephen Scott. Well, absolutely, of course. Yeah. But no one if, else exists. But, me. <laughs> but if there were, if you were to have more than one Stephen Scott in your contacts, then it might say, "Do you want the first one or the second one, or do you want, you know, the home address or the the work address?" You know, that could be possible. And it's just a matter of you saying, as you've always said to Siri in, in the past, you know, text him at the home number, not the work number, or whatever it is. So, so some of it is intuitive. Some of it. Uh, is going to make a lot of sense. It's going to be very similar to how you view Siri in in previous uh, you know versions or previous years, but there are going to be those times where there might be multiples, and you have to figure out which one do I have to tap. And visually, that's very easy because you see a list, or you like I said, you can turn on that overlay that gives you the number system, so you don't have to say the whole thing; just say the number. For us, visually uh, using voiceover. If you don't know what all the different options are, you don't realize that there's three or four different options. You may have to then go and swipe and then, well, while you're there, might as well double tap it. I mean, you can say tap number three if you want to or whatever, but while you're there, you could just double tap it and away you go. So for us, that part I could see being something that you use voiceover in conjunction with voice control. But I don't know that that's going to be a lot of your use case because I've been using it with Facebook, like I said, with Dice World, with the internet, using it in Safari. And it is as simple as saying tap back, tap forward, you know, uh, whatever, you know, a lot of Siri commands because it actually, in essence, I didn't realize this with their demonstration on stage, it disables Siri. So you can't really use Siri in the traditional way when voice control is on. But that said, you don't need to because voice control not only replaces Siri, but then it does all these other things where you can interact with the screen. So you can still say what is the weather or send a text message or make a phone call or you know all these different things you could do with Siri. But then it's also tap this button, select this link, or dictate this message, you know, dictate and start talking. So you can really, truly do everything on the phone as long as it's got a labeled button. And of course, as we know, if, if you don't have a button labeled in a particular app, there is a two-finger, what is it, two-finger double tap and hold to where you can label the button yourself with voiceover. And once you've labeled it, well, then you just say tap and the name that you named it. So it, it is that simple. As long as there's a label or a, or a name on a button or a link, then you can use voice control. And like I said, even in this early stage, me just tinkering with it a little bit, I've actually been really impressed with it. Okay, so, I mean, that is a feature that, as we say, it's not really a voice or a a vision-related feature, but it's got potential, and it almost feels like in some ways, by what you're saying, it's like an, an expanded version of Siri. You know, one day they might even build that into Siri, and then you know that'll be all that'll be for everybody, which is would be amazing. Yeah, you don't even um, need the internet to use it; it, it works completely offline, which is great. Yeah. Um, what about other features then? So, sort of voiceover related, vision related features. What are you noticing? I think that I don't know if you want to call it a feature or just uh, <laughs> a new nicety, because I know this is something that uh, you guys have mentioned. Android has had for a while with Talkback is the ability to change commands. So. What I mean by that is you can go into your voiceover settings and assign gestures. Now, some of the gestures you can't change. So, of course, like, you know, just selecting something with one finger or a single finger double tap or the magic tap with two fingers, they have those grayed out. You can't change those. And that makes sense. That's the basics of how voiceover works. But there are a lot of other gestures that have never, ever been assigned to voiceover using maybe three fingers uh, or four fingers, you know, swiping up or down, uh, things like that, maybe doing it quadruple 
three finger tap or something like that because there is a three finger double and triple tap uh you know those features are there but not a quadruple tap if you really wanted to do that and so many other different you know tap and hold with one two three or four fingers things like that so you can actually go in and assign things so for an example just to to test it out i set a four finger swipe up to bring up the app switcher so I don't have to t- hit the home button twice because being an iPhone 7, I would still just tap the home button two times. Yeah. I, just to test it, did a four-finger swipe up, assign that to the app swisher, and as soon as I do that, it brings it right up. I did a four-finger swipe down, and that actually locks my phone. In essence, it, it's like hitting your power button on the side. So I just four-finger swipe down, and it locks the phone. So those are the types of things you can do now. And there are some that aren't grayed out, as it were, you know, like the magic tap. The, those you can't change. But there are some other things you could change. And it does come up and say, well, this is already assigned to this. Are you really sure you want to change it? And, yes, you, you can change other things. Uh, like I said, the very simple ones you can't, but, but others you can. And you can, in essence, have voiceover be the experience you want it to be. And I really like that. I don't know how deeply I will use that going forward, but just to simply be able to do a, a you know certain swipe or whatever to, to say, get to the home screen or to get to the status bar or to, to open up the app switcher, to be able to get that extra functionality is, is kind of nice. That sounds pretty nice, actually. I like the sound of that. And, you know, the thing is, actually, those gestures you're talking about will come in very useful if you go down the route of getting, say, an iPhone XS, um, because you can do one finger swipe up and then it's a sort of series of bum, 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 you know, to get right. you to the app switcher, which I find extremely irritating, trying and to get to the control center. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't, I find it so difficult to get to certain things. Notifications, bizarrely, is the one thing I find on my iPhone XS very difficult to get to, to pull down that, that window. Um, it, it just seems to be complicated to do it. And, well, that's know, what's nice. Yeah, to be able to change it is so, so nice because say, for instance, instead of a four finger swipe up to do the app switcher, I could very easily just set that to open the notification center or to open the control center. You know, you could you can assign it to do that. So you don't have to necessarily go with the, you know, the swipe on the left or the right, you know, whatever it is to to go down for notifications and, and control center. You can assign it to something else. So I like that theory that I can say, you know what, this isn't working for me, or I have difficulty doing this particular gesture. So I'm going to change it. For, for example, uh, I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe you could even change the rotor. I'm almost positive that you could say, you know what, I don't want to have to turn the wheel. I want to actually, you know, use this gesture to cycle through. So maybe do say, for instance, a two finger swipe left or right instead of turning the knob for the rotor gesture. You could change it to do that. And I like that because some people can't do certain gestures. Some people find it difficult to do those, whether it's because they have motor skill issues or or others, or just because for whatever reason, they just can't do it. And so, yeah, or they just don't like to do that because it's not natural. It doesn't feel right. So to be able to have the option to change that, I, I think is great. Well, look, we're going to hear more from your thoughts on this uh, over the next few weeks because I know you're trialing things out. I am going to, I think I'm going to do the same. I think I'm going to put on my iPhone SE just to see how it copes with it. Um, I'm not so much more about the coping. I'm just more interested in trying out these features. <laughs> well, uh, yes. I'm not putting up the 10S <laughs> yet. I don't, I'm not prepared no, to go down that route. I wouldn't suggest that. Especially, and the reason I say that is because they have that new swipe uh, keyboard feature that uh, I know Android has had. Very similar mm. to Flick Type, but yet not similar to Flick Type. And it 
that does work with voiceover, but as you move your finger around the keyboard, uh, sliding it around to, to form the words, even when you turn it off, it doesn't want to stop working. So that is a mm. bug. So I, I will tell you right now, for the moment, as of this episode, you, yeah, that one's frustrating. But, but otherwise, yeah, put it on the SC. I think you'll, I think you'll like it. Let's talk about Soundscape. Soundscape is a new app that has just launched from Microsoft, and it is an app that has been available in other countries, like the UK and the US now, for about a year, I think. Uh, and it's now just arrived in Canada's app store for the iPhone only. Um, so basically what this app does is it's a navigation app that lets you move around using um, beacons, essentially, audible beacons, to audibly direct you to where you're trying to go. So let's say, for example, you're out for a wander and you need to go to an ATM. You can go into the Soundscape app. You can type in the name or the location of the bank, or not the location, sorry, the name of the bank, and the you know what choose from a list, essentially, of what it is you're looking for. So it might be the ATM for that particular bank branch that you know is on that particular street in your town. Um, what will happen is, and I'm going to do some weird audio sound effects here to get, <laughs> using my mouth. I'm going to go police academy on you. Oh no! Um, yeah, again, uh, because this is a weird one. So it kind of gives you this ba-dump, 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 ba-dump in your head, um, which is like a stereo sound. So you can hear clear stereo, um, sort of left and right, this sound. And I did it. I was walking to exactly this. Actually, I was walking to a bank, and it was I could start to hear this beep, this higher-pitched beep start to emerge, um, which would begin to give me an indication of where, based on where I was standing, where this ATM was. So you kind of, as you're getting your ba-dum, 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 you're also getting a beep, 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 beep coming along with you. Um, this is very lifelike, isn't it? Um, I, I feel like I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like the app, yeah. Apps by voice, apps by sound effects, <laughs> Stephen, you know, pretending. It's like Be Kind Rewind uh, here on Double Tap Canada this week. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, using the app is an interesting experience. Um, personally, and this is just me, uh, I use it in conjunction with other apps like Google Maps or Apple Maps. Uh, to direct me or, uh, you know, to give me information about where I'm trying to go because it doesn't tell you, for example, you're about to walk into a wall. It just tells you where the ATM is in relation to you. But there could be a building in front of you. Um, so it's not giving you that information. That's where the the additional information from maybe BlindSquare uh, or App, Apple Maps or whatever you might use. Although I will be honest, having BlindSquare on, Apple Maps and Soundscape on all at the same time, as I've done... Oof. Is I mean that with voiceover on top is mm -hmm. quite a mix. I'll be honest. I had to lie down <laughs> after I'd been to that bank branch. Uh, as blind people, we hear enough things in our head. We don't need yeah. to hear. Wow, yeah. I have enough voices in my head, and that's before. You put I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, 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 I, yeah I thought yeah, I'd go I there. I thought I'd get there. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's a really interesting app. It is, I think, one of those things. It's a really nice app to use as a novelty. Um, I'm not as keen on this, and maybe, maybe improvements will come with it and it'll change, but I think it's something which is more of a novelty. It does require that you wear stereo headphones of some kind, maybe AirPods or whatever. It does kind of defeat the purpose of it if you aren't using stereo headphones, which 
can have its benefits and can have its drawbacks because the benefit, as you say, is it gives you that spatial awareness, the the idea of, okay, it's up and to my left, you know, that 3D environment kind of uh, feeling, kind of a binaural feeling of, okay, this is where I need to be traveling to. And mm. the beeps and the, and, the, and the clicks and all that kind of thing with the sounds, it, it does give you a, a fair representation of where you need to go. And I like it for that. But then, as a lot of us know, wearing stereo headphones out and about in public isn't always necessarily the smartest thing to do, uh, unless you're using, you know, bone conducting uh, type headphones or something like my Bose frames that I st- still just love. I'm waiting for you to get a pair so we can compare notes. Um, oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you about that next week's show. We don't have time this week to talk about that, but yeah, I'll talk yes, about that Yes, we'll have week. to get into that definitely. But unless you're using something like that that keeps your ears open, I don't like the idea of having uh, stereo headphones on as I'm walking out and about with my cane and trying to, to navigate things. But that being said, I, I think that you're you're right. I think that Soundscape in, in the year or so that it's been out or a couple of years it's been out uh, in the rest of the world outside of Canada. Uh, poor Canada, always getting things last, yeah. it seems. Um, but uh, it's one of those that I have used it, but I haven't used it now in quite some time. And when I did, like you, I used it in conjunction with Blind Square or Apple Maps, uh, potentially. And I don't know. I just felt like there were other better apps for me to use to get the same or better information. Not to say that it's not got potential, it's got promise, and hopefully Microsoft will continue the development of it. But for people who may say, well, you guys are always just so all in on Microsoft seeing AI. Well, yes, we are, because seeing AI is fantastic. It does what it does, and it does it well. However, Soundscape could be better. Comparing the two, you would never, honestly, in my opinion, you wouldn't believe that Microsoft has them both. I'm not saying that Soundscape is bad. Again, its heart is in the right place. I think it's got some promise with that, you know, that spatial awareness and how they implement it. I just feel like it could be more featured. Does that make sense? I guess I guess yeah. when I'm comparing it to like Blind Square that has so many features, I feel like Soundscape sometimes comes up short. Well, Canada, go download it, try it out. It's in the App Store now, and let us know what you think about it. You might think, what are these guys on about? It's brilliant. Tell us your thoughts. Feedback at ami.ca is our email address. Don't forget the podcast as well. Thank you so much for listening. Tim, it's been great fun. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me, Stephen, once again. Thank you, and thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Double Tap Canada. Sean Priest will return uh, with, I'm sure, more than one story of being stuck in a hedge or two. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.